Listen up, small business founders, senior managers, and rising stars. Bill Ringle here. Welcome to another My Quest for the Best Booster episode, consisting of a favorite part of the episode book on track one and a related tip, tool, or technique to help you in your business on track two. Let's dive in. Today on track one, I'd like to share with you a valuable distinction between two types of mindfulness because meditation often gets a bad reputation when people think of it as only as one aspect. Giovanni Dietzman is the author of Mindful Self-Discipline, Living with Purpose and Achieving Your Goals in a World of Distractions. He also runs one of the most popular meditation courses on the internet that can be found at liveanddare.com. Giovanni also calls out the passivity issue in his teaching and writing. He says, quote, sometimes goal-oriented individuals have a sense of aversion or distinction toward meditation practice. They feel that meditation is just about living in the moment, chilling out, being happy with whatever you have here and now. They fear that meditation may make them slow, apathetic, or passive. They worry that meditation may rob them of their fuel to pursue their goals. I want to tell you that both Giovanni and I, when we spoke on the interview on My Quest for the Best, as well as in his book, he has a really clear distinction about these. He says that when you think about passivity that could come from meditation, it's largely due to one of two things, either the wrong choice of technique or an overemphasis on letting go. So with the right education and the right tools, you'll make much better gains. He makes the distinction between concentration meditation and observation meditation. They're two completely different practices that often aren't recognized as being distinct. In concentration meditation, it enhances your willpower and discernment while also training your awareness. You have to have a goal to remain focused, such as counting your breaths or focusing on a mantra, and that requires energy and motivation to do so. Observation meditation, on the other hand, can lead to a state of detachment where you see all things things equally and don't feel pulled to move or think in any particular direction anymore. That's one of the aims of the practice. So rather than focusing your mind on a specific goal or object, you're keeping it open and receiving whatever comes in as you're meditating. Concentration meditation is better for developing your focus and motivation, while observation meditation is better for impulse control and processing negative emotions. Giovanni says that concentration meditation is more active, it's like fire, and observation meditation is more passive, it's like like water. Keep the distinctions clear and use the tools well to improve your mindfulness and you'll soon see the benefits in your own life and business. This is track two where I explain a challenge that I offer my private coaching clients called going on a distraction diet. And this is completely related to mindfulness. When I start to work with a new senior manager, he or she often says that they're concerned about making the time to devote to learning new approaches when their schedule is already packed full. Here are three fundamental steps to setting up your distraction diet for success. Step one is identify your core focus and responsibilities. This month, it might be reducing customer churn, or it might be developing a new marketing campaign, or it might be onboarding several new strategic partners or resellers. It can change from month to month, of course. The key is to list the steps to succeeding in this area, and anything not on that list is a potential distraction. Step two is identify the distractions from the other legitimate duties. For instance, conducting a weekly team meeting and preparing for an advisory board may not be directly related to your top priority, though they are part of your existing commitments. Reading a news blog, watching TV after dinner, and sorting through junk mail 
are all obvious time wasters and can be abstained from for a period of time. Step three, declare what is off limits and the time period for your distraction diet. Make a written list declaring when you'll start and when it will end. This becomes a contract you make with yourself and it is easily the most important step that people miss when they do this on their own. It's important to get your commitment out of your head and on a page. Now, leave that page or several copies of it in places where you'll see it to remind you each day. At the end of the period, take stock of how it felt to have those things absent from your life, how well you stuck to your commitment, what progress you made on your most important goals, and also to renegotiate how well often you engage with any of the behaviors that you labeled as distractions. You can't escape all of the minutiae and trivialities, but you can minimize them and only give them the time and energy that they deserve. Mail that's delivered gets a quick scan and then put into a storage box for sorting on Saturday afternoons. I've set up email filters to take care of my digital inbox as well. Rather than taking up five minutes for each of six days, it only takes me 10 minutes once a week. You can make similar changes to reclaim lost time and regain focus that you can devote to your top priorities. Distraction diets are wonderful. This is Bill Ringel, host of My Quest for the Best and founder of Grow Business Now. Each week, I work with overwhelmed managers in privately held high-tech firms and help them become admired leaders who can grow and scale the business. Follow and connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter and let me know what parts of this booster episode that you found useful as an ambitious small business leader. I'm so glad you're here. You really make a difference.